0: Welcome to Think Jewish. Today's class is sponsored by (laughs) Tzipora Mota, right? Am I saying last night? In honor of her birthday. So Mazal Tov to you and thank you for sponsoring. And today's title, the uh, class is about the ultimate journey of life. What is the ultimate journey which is called life? But I'd like to throw in a uh, little surprise question into the whole mix because it's going to have to do with it why is it that almost every one of not almost all our forefathers had problems having kids Abram and Sarah have to go through a miracle Isaac and Rebecca have to do their prayers Jacob and Rachel have also issues having kids and what's mind-boggling is that Rashi mentions that because Leah suffered, so God gave her kids. As if not, if not for the suffering, she also would have had problems having kids. So I just want to throw that question right out in the beginning because it's going to play a huge role later. So it's very interesting to note that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all struggled to have kids. What's interesting is that when Avram was, is with Hagar, No problem. Rashi tells us from their first relationship she gets pregnant. Later that uh, she lost that uh, pregnancy and then she has another pregnancy, but it seems to be that when Abraham is with Hagar, there's no problem. But Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Rachel, and a special reason why not with Leah, they all have problem having children. Seems to be like it's just normal to expect that. And when you read the story, it's just, oh yeah, they had problems, they had to pray and a miracle and this and that. Why? Having children is very natural. It's very uncommon that three generations in a row should have problems. There seems to be a message here. We're going to put that on hold now, okay? Let's talk about the journey. The journey that I'm going to share with you is one of the most classical teachings in Hasidus and I'm going to present that to you and then we're gonna I want to get deeper into it, okay? So let's start from the beginning. The verse tells us, Lech Lecha, Hashem tells Avraham, he's 75 years old, go. Simply speaking, he does not tell him where to go. He gives him very descriptive where to leave. He Tells him three things, leave your land, leave your birthplace, leave your father's home, where are you going to? To the land that I will show you. And our sages tell us that one of the commentaries of why we always learned this as children. One of the commentaries that says why Hashem didn't just tell him immediately, destination, you're going to the land of Canaan. And the answer is our commentaries tell us because by not telling him in one shot where to go, every single step in the directions was a mitzvah. And otherwise, it would have been just one mitzvah go to Canaan. However, let's look in the first two words, which is lech lecha, go. What does the word lecha mean? So Rashi com, comments on it, "Lahana na'atcha, for your benefit. Which basically means that the word lecha over here serves as the word Bishvilha. Go for your sake, for your benefit. And Rashi says that three things are going to happen because you're leaving. You're going to have children, you're going to have fame, and you're going to have wealth. And Rashi points out that, by the way, these are the three things you usually don't have when you're traveling. But Hashem said, Lech lecha bishvilcha, for your sake. However, the real word is lech lecha, not bishvilcha, and not natcha. not for your sake, not for your benefit. The word lecha in simple Hebrew means to you. It seems to be Hashem did tell him his destination. Lech go, lecha to you. In order to get to you, you have to go f- leave and shed from your land, from your birthplace, from your father's home. So I'm going to share with you first, like I told you, one of the most classical, almost every Chabad house talks about this. It's one of the most classical lessons, a very deep lesson of death, Torah portion, Lech Lecha. And what it means is, simply speaking, that the word in the teachings comes from the word Ratzon. Rats run or Ratzon, also will. And Hashem's telling you, you want to know how to get lecha, you want to know how to get to yourself, you want to know who the real you is, what lies beneath all the layers upon layers of genetic and environmental impositions upon you, you got to start shedding. And what do you have to shed? No, level number one, the I want and the I don't want, it's got to go. He or she who lives your life only by the I want and I don't want isn't going to ever get anywhere. We all know when we deal with kids, and when we were kids, you know, that infamous uh, shoulder that goes up and the head that goes down, but I want, but I want. You can talk till you're blue in the face, but I want. Or I don't want. So very young, we have the egocentric, I want, I don't want, which seems to say that you're supposed to understand me. doesn't make a difference that Tati or mommy or both are telling me to do this. I don't want. And and they're expecting you to understand that. Because in their world, the egocentric world, everything begins with the I want or I don't want. So Hashem tells Avram, you want to know what lies beneath the layers? Give up the I want and I don't want shrug. Got to get a little deeper than that. A little more self-control here than the I want and I don't want. The next step is (laughs) mimoladetcha. Mimoladetcha is from your birthplace. And that is explained as rigilut habitual behaviors and also emotions. We all have habitual behaviors and if you want to know the power of habitual behaviors if uh, if anyone <laughs> I was gonna say if the men in the room I forgot we're talking to Jewish men so I don't know if any of you ever picked up a handsaw either but in the handsaw process the worst thing you can do when you're trying to cut a piece of wood is be off by a centimeter because once you made the groove And now you got to move over what's going to happen to the blade the blade is going to keep on slipping back into the groove it is so hard once you've made the groove that is the concept of habitual behavior you promise you're not going to do it again and you don't you didn't even realize because most of us are all the time in the comatose uh, stage most of us are always in cruise control we're not really thinking about what we're doing and you can't believe i did it again because habitual behavior is so powerful. It kind of tells us, don't think, it'll happen. And when we do that, it's very hard to make changes. So when we talk about changing habitual behaviors, it's a strong, a very strong layer to shed. Now I want to share with you a very interesting teaching in the world of Hasidus and Kabbalah. You know, most of us think that our job is to do it with kavana, with intentions, with love, with feelings. So I read this beautiful teaching that says realize that there's two parts of you there's the body and there's the soul. Of the soul, we want emotions and we want kavana. Of the body, all we want is habitual patterns. Now, now let's explain this for a moment, okay? The Rambam clearly states when it comes to health issues that Shinui Veset choli. the change of any cycle is the beginning of getting sick. The minute you start changing a sleep pattern, your immune system's down. Anything you do, you change your eating patterns, anything that changes. You go to a doctor, you start telling them I'm feeling a little off, the first thing you want to know, was there any changes that happened in your life? Why? Because the body, including the body's intelligent, known in the world of Hasidus as the Nefesh habahamit the animalistic soul, is always looking for patterns. Your body is continuously looking for patterns. And that's why we know that famous experiment with the dog, with the bell, the minute it associates. We work with association patterns and that's the way we're working. So understand that the hardest thing to do for the body is to change a pattern. I'm gonna give you another example. It's not exactly the perfect example, but just understand what it means for the body to change patterns and why that's such a difficult layer to let go of. You see, the I want and the I don't want is a conscious conscious layer I know what I want and I know what I don't want. The problem with patterns is, habitual behaviors is, that it's not conscious. The whole job of the creating patterns is, is that we can go into cruise control, right? How many times if you always go to work north in the 95 and today you had to go south but you were busy in your car and guess what happened? Where'd you go? It happens to us all the time because when we're not conscious what do we rely on? We rely on our habitual patterns. So letting go of habitual patterns is a biggie. So I was just gonna share with you this story. And, and just in short, again, it's not a perfect example. It's not what we usually use it for, but I just want to share with you this concept that the, there's a whole story, Mendel Futafas and, and a high wire walk. I actually shared with you the story once. But what happens is the point of the story is that no matter how long, this high-wire walker has got to walk. No matter what the distance is, it's easy. The hardest part is when he has to turn around. Because as long as his eye is on his destination, he's focused. The turning around, because now he has to go back, that moment of turning around is the shakiest moment. Because he's lost focus of pole number one, and his eyes has not yet focused on pole number two. Okay, All I'm using this metaphor right now is, understand that the minute you're telling your body, we're pulling away from the groove, we're pulling away from the habitual pattern, the body, the immune system, everything which is so picture perfect created by God is thrown into chaos. It's lost pattern number one, it has not yet created pattern number two, and that's very hard. So when Hashem tells you go out of your habitual behaviors, that's not a small thing. Let's go back to the teaching for a moment and then we'll move on. So what I shared with you is that the, this is a, it's a discourse from the 5th Lubavitch Rebbe. He says forget when it comes to your body, forget kavana, Forget love, forget fear. That's not what we want from the body. That's what we want from the soul. What we want from the body is to work according to its system which is habitual behaviors but what do we want we want that your habitual patterns should be the patterns of the code of jewish law let's talk about this very simply right you wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is you put your hands together and you say Moda Ani. and you do that enough times and what happens that becomes a pattern doesn't make a difference if you only slept one hour, you're racing to a flight, the alarm went off, you're not even sure what world you're in. The first thing that happens if you've been doing this for a long time, your hands go straight together, your head bows down, and you say the moda ani prayer. You thank Hashem for another day of life, for returning you, your soul rejuvenated. So the Fitl of is explaining that all we want from the body of a Jew is that by self-control put it into habitual patterns according to Shulchan Aruch. That's all. So here you see that the teachings are using the power of habitual patterns to make it easier for us to do mitzvot. Because if you train your body to do it that way, but you know the secret of a pattern, right? one day yes, Modani, one day not Modani, one day yes, Chal of Yisrael, one day not Chal of one day yes, kosher and a non-kosher restaurant, but yeah, kosher, salad. Y- you do that and you don't have patterns. But once you've created patterns, according to Jewish law, it's perfect. Here's a very interesting kicker. A guy who smokes two packs of cigarettes, but never smoked on Shabbat, can't stop Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday or Friday, Right? But Shabbat has never picked up a cigarette. You see the power of patterns? So what happens over here is that now we're talking, I just wanted to share with you how important patterns are. And now all of a sudden we're hearing, if you want to know who you really are, drop your patterns. And then goes the third step, leave your father's home. What does it mean your father's home? The father's home represents perception. Father and mother in Kabbalah is wisdom and understanding. So the I understand, the I don't understand, I agree, I don't agree has got to go. In Judaism, it's not the foundation. It's actually the enhancement. It's not that God does exist when I understand that he exists, but now he doesn't exist because now I have questions if he exists. It's a whole different ballpark the perception is not validation of truth and let me share with you a story that happened in australia with rabbi Grona of blessed memory a very interesting story someone made a comment to him and he said i want to share with you a story once in the museum of art there was two people standing looking at a painting and you're talking about priceless art but as you know in priceless art you have abstract art So this simple person was sitting there and standing there and he tells the other guy, I really don't get this picture. I mean, you're telling me this picture is priceless? My kid draws a face more realistic than this guy. This other guy who hears him talking like that about this art on the wall is starting to have a freak attack. And all of a sudden it gets loud. So the curator comes running and says, what's going on here? Why are you making so much noise? He said, would you believe what he just told me? This artist, huh? He just told me that his kid draws better than this artist and he doesn't get why this is priceless. And the curator turned around to the simple person and said, sir, I need you to understand that the paintings that hang on the walls of our museum is not here for for your validation. They're here to see if you can appreciate fine art. What a flip on the egocentric human being. All of a sudden you find out that God, Torah, Mitzvot really isn't here for our validation. Oh, this Mitzvah makes sense to me, but this Mitzvah, absolutely not. And we all have this egocentric understanding that what I understand is okay and what I don't understand, obviously it's not okay. So Hashem tells Avraham if you want to know who the real you is, you've got to let go of this whole, I agree, I don't agree, this makes sense, this doesn't make sense. And that's why by Chassidim, especially by Chabad Chassidim, where we ask questions about everything, where other people are afraid to go, we ask questions. Why do we ask questions? Because our question is always founded upon one very important foundation. God, please open up my mind to understand what is true? We never ask the question if it doesn't make sense so then no, no, no. This could, can't be. If it says it is. Now I'm asking God. My human finite mind. Please open it up to your infinite wisdom. And when you have that foundation you can ask any question you want. And that's what Hashem is telling Avram You, know. you got to let go. You've got to let go from the I want and I don't want. You've got to let go from the I I my habitual behaviours. But I've never done this before. How many times have I heard that? But Rabbi, I've never done this. And then there's also the I agree, I disagree. This makes sense to me. This doesn't make sense to me. All those stuff gotta go if you want to find the real you. Yeah, it's interesting. I had uh, I received an email, I actually forwarded it to you, Janet. I received an email about intuition and what intuition does to people because intuition is against everything that the structured methodical human mind the human mind first figures out understands and comes to a decision what does intuition do? does the exact opposite it gives you the conclusion and then you're wondering and trying to justify why you had this intuition what made me think of this? and that confuses the egocentric human being Because in the egocentric human world we say that what is the power of mankind that we have mind controlling heart. We give such credence to the mind that we create actually idolatry out of the mind. And then you have the arrogant extreme which the miracles in the Torah that they can't scientifically prove or hasn't been scientifically proved or has been quote unquote scientifically disproved, they they, they just can't accept it. So Hashem is telling Avraham Avinu, if you want to go lech, lecha, if you want to know who you really are, if you want to know what lies beneath it all, to quote Napoleon Hill, he talks about in his book, Think and Grow Rich, he talks about a higher intelligence. The higher intelligence is very interesting. Our sages tell us, lo lachacham lechem, the wise don't have bread. The successful people are not wise. They're connected to a higher intelligence. And a higher intelligence demands a shedding of limitation. You can't connect with that if you're always stuck with the I want, I don't want, I've never done this, I've always done it this way. And then of course the I agree and I disagree. This teaching I've just shared with you about the journey of lech find out who you really are beyond all the layers, even the layer of intellect and perception, and only then you can get to the land, the power of inner will which I have given you. You'll see who you really are. That is a teaching. I shared it on Shabbat and Shul. I've shared it in my email. But now I want to take it a step further. Why so? Why did God create it this way? It seems to be that God created us square and told us the goal of life is to fit into a circle. That's seemingly what happens here. God created Abraham with the type of perception he has. God created him with his psyche, with his personality. And this all gets enhanced again with the environmental and, and the genetic. So, Hashem makes us who we are. We're all different, right? Hillel was always lenient. Shammai was always strict. And who made him that way? So, according to Hasidus and Kabbalah, God made him that way. Because the menorah, which is the source of all souls, has seven branches. One branch is kindness. One branch is strictness. So, really, really, if you look into it, Hillel had no choice but to always be lenient. Because his soul came from the branch of chesed, kindness. While Shammai had no choice but to be strict because Shammai's soul came from the second branch called Givura, justice, truth. So what does Hashem do? Hashem gives us a personality on all levels. He gives us the I want, I don't want. He gives us the habitual, normal behaviors in a society that we were just born into without being asked. And then the I agree and the I disagree. And then Hashem tells us, I made you square, but you'll never know who you are until you fit into a circle. Why? Why is it that way? Why is it so often that God gives us things that should be gifts, but rather than becoming gifts, they turn into our worst nightmares and blockage? Because until we can't get beyond ourselves, we can't get anywhere. Until we can't see beyond our nose. Until we can't get out of that square. Until I, I can't get over the, I never did it, I always did it. I want, I don't want. Everything about my personality. <laughs> it's interesting. I just share with you a, a foolish concept. I was having a talk with someone. How come I don't hire so, someone for the shul? I told them that I don't hire people for the shul. It's very, it's very, it's a, <laughs> What should I tell you? It's very challenging emotionally for me. Why? Because I I have had here people working and I don't know how to fire. And it's very important. If you don't know how to fire, don't hire (laughs) because you're in trouble. And then you start thinking about that. What do you mean you don't know how to hire? You put your whole life and dedication into something. You hire someone to help you for whatever reason that isn't working out. It's actually the opposite. What do you mean you can't fire them? Well, it just happens to be my personality there are other people the exact opposite they're very very you know you walk into the office and boom 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 you're always walking on eggshells it's just personality things and I know until I don't get over this compassion unmanaged I'm not getting anywhere but on the other hand compassion is one of the most beautiful gifts God can give anyone so how does it work first Hashem makes you who you are you live 75 years old and then Hashem says now you want to know who you really are Lech Lecha That's what I really want to talk about tonight To understand this we're going to go Kabbalistic and then from Kabbalistic we're going to get practical Kabbalistically speaking how was the world created? Kabbalistically speaking the world was created with that there was He and His infinite light and God had to make a contraction Because to have a finite creation out of an infinite light doesn't work. So God contracts the infinite light and allows only for the finite light, reintroduces what we call in Kabbalah into the makam halal, into the void. He introduces a kav a, a thread, a line of light. And now we can create the world. So there was infinite. God took away infinite allowed for finite and then through that introduces that one finite ray of his infinite light and now we have the platform for creation and thus we have nature which is logical it makes sense cause and effect in the infinite world there is no cause and effect but in the finite world there's a cause and there's an effect there's a top, there's a bottom there's an evolution of events And that's what hashem did and thus all we have over here is finite lying beneath everything is the fingerprint of infinite but in essence what we have is a finite light we have a finite world now what was the original plan what was the original plan the original plan was that any time you're going to find in torah in god's world a contraction, what's really happening is there's a crouch before a leap. The lion and the tiger crouches before a leap. God's plan of the contraction was for the ultimate revelation. You can't say that God has a contraction and, okay, what now? No, that's it, guys. We're done. Doesn't make sense. So what happens here is that God creates this contraction Allowing the finite to become the dominant because before the contraction the infinite was the dominant and the finite was swallowed in submissiveness zero identity what identity does finite have in the face of the infinite so Hashem reversed that Hashem allowed for the finite to be dominant so we can have a finite world okay then what happens? Then what happens is the glorious moment of Mount Sinai. There's a Jewish people and there's a Torah. Why? Because like I told you before, every descent is a crouch before a leap. Every descent is laying the platform and the potential of an ascent. Thus you understand that the reason for the whole contraction was to give us now, within infinite, even greater than infinite. And I know I'm sounding very Kabbalistic, just hang with me. Let's do this again. So God pulls away the infinite so that it can be finite. Now, according to some teachings, the purpose is that before we you had the logic that how much liquid can you fit into an eight ounce cup? Eight ounces. But if you throw the cup into the ocean, the ocean can be as big as possible, right? So that's what we had before. We had the 8-ounce cup, i.e., finite light, in the ocean of the infinite, and that's it. So the cup is lost. It's useless and it's lost. But then what does God do? God pulls out the infinite, allows finite. Now we know if you have a 12-ounce cup, you're going to have 12 ounces of liquid. 8-ounce cup, 10-ounce cup, 7-ounce cup. All of a sudden it's finite, it fits into the vessels. Not the vessels are encompassed by the light, but rather the light will fit beautifully into the vessel. Now, according to some teachings, the goal is to bring infinite light into finite vessels. That means take away, allow it to build, reintroduce. However, in Hasidus, that logic in itself doesn't stand because there's nothing new introduced. That means the ascent is that before we had the 8-ounce cup and the infinite ocean. Now we have the infinite ocean and the 8-ounce cup. So therefore we're taught that ultimately speaking, the real purpose of all, which is obviously the lech lecha, God's journey and the journey He shares with us is not just to reintroduce the infinite into the finite, but to introduce something beyond even infinite. Step number one that was Kabbalistic. Step number two, which is already a little bit of a bridge from the Kabbalah into the norm, practical. The human psyche, the human structure is a reflection of everything we're talking about. When God said, let us make mankind in our image and our form, our likeness, God doesn't have hands and feet and nose and eyes and lips. We're talking about the structure. So, we talk about the ten faculties, the three intellects and the seven emotions, but today we're going to generalize here. The entire infrastructure, the inside, the faculties is what we call the linear light, that which permeates inside. My power of thinking is in my brain, not in my hand, not in my foot. It has a specific space. It is what it is. My emotions are the same. However, there's also encompassing powers as in the power of will. The power of will belongs to the crown, not to the brain and not to the heart. For example, I want to be a scholar. I want to run a marathon. The same will, one's in the head, one's in the foot. The power of I want is an encompassing power which drives my internal powers. The difference of how you understand what you want to learn versus what you understand when you're just being forced to learn is different. The intellectual capacity is different because the power of will, which is an encompassing power, drives us. The power of pleasure. How many men have destroyed everything they've ever worked for because the power of pleasure drove them? So the power of will and the power of pleasure is what we call the crown. The crown is bigger than your head. It's on top of your head. And then you have the intellect and the emotions. You'll probably notice that when you want something, you will intellectualize that it's right to do. Because the power of will is driving your intellect. That's the way it works for us. Now, there are some times when you have a power of will which is a total disconnect from your logic. You don't even bother trying to make it intelligent or logical. It's just what we call an essence will. It's an essential will. I want what I want. It doesn't have to make sense. It's just beyond the brain and the heart. So I shared with you the linear. We're going to call that right now the finite. That's the Kepler and the hearts the intellect and the emotions. Then there's the circle, the infinite light, which is the power of will and the power of pleasure. But then there's something even beyond that. The contraction that took place was the breeding ground for nature, including the power of will and the power of pleasure. In other words, everything that happened pre-the Jewish soul and pre-the giving of the Torah, including, including what happened with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the miracles and Adam and Noah, was all part of nature. It was even the infinite part of the finite cycle. You do not have to surrender everything you are. To be a natural success. To be able to experience your layers to their fullest. To be able to use God's gift of I want. God's gift of my mind. God's gift of my emotions. I don't have to surrender everything. Because for that to take place, the original contraction was enough. If I want to just live comfortably with God, I don't want to push the buck. I don't want to see how powerful I really am. I'm not looking to fully actualize what God hid within me. I'm okay. I'll just be a simple person. I'll just have a nine-to-five job. I'll just make middle-class I'll just live the regular American dream. I'll just go ahead and be even orthodox about it. I'll live my, my Jewish life. But I'm not, I'm not here to become an Abraham. I'm not here to become a trailblazer. I'm not here to crack open another portal between heaven and earth. I just want to live. Not everyone moves out to open terrain to build a community. Some people Rather move into a community where there already is a shul, where there already is a school for my kids, where there already is a women's club and there already is classes going on. I'm not looking to trailblaze. I'm just looking to live my life as a good Jew. Those people don't need the total power of Lech Lecha. Because the contraction already did everything for you. It not only gave you your personality and your psyche and your God-giving gifts, it even gave you the infinite light that touches the finite. I even have that power of will within me to be able to really, really commit to Hashem. But that all, that all is part of nature. That's all part of me being a regular good Jew. Abraham's job was something totally different because God's secret plan happens when the Jewish soul enters into the physical body. When all of a sudden a total pre timtum, pre contraction, and when I say pre contraction, I mean pre finite light, pre infinite light. Something that comes from where the tzimtzum has never touched. The essence peace of God is never contracted. The essence peace of God doesn't know infinite or finite because they're both equal. It is. It is the essence. And that's what God blew into the nostrils of a Jew. And now, for the rest of our life, we'll always have these two choices before us. Do I just settle for the outer layers of my soul? We're not talking about the animalistic soul now. We're talking about the godly soul. Because even the godly soul, all the layers are part of nature. The minute you use the word layer, you're talking about description and form. You're not talking about essence. So it's all part of the post-symptom reality. So the person has a choice. Who says that I need to be Abraham the father of? Who says I need to be a leader? Who says I need to be someone that's going to trailblaze? Who says that I need to open up new portals for God to enter into the universe? How about if I just settle for what already exists? Because that's hard enough. Being a religious Jew in North Miami 2013 is hard enough without trailblazing. Halavai, we should hold on to what we have to. We're talking about opening up new things? So if you want to live that life of layers and beautiful layers, there isn't a person in this room who doesn't have beautiful layers. God made you beautiful. You were made by God. So the layers are godly and the layers are beautiful. The things that you really want in the depths of your heart is beautiful and holy. The real habitual patterns that you have when every time something happens, you right away say, Baruch Hashem. Or when something is struggling, you right away have a munah, don't worry, God will help. Those beautiful layers of habitual patterns of the soul. And what's about the paradigm? The paradigm that we are amachad and amisrochai. We have all of this. We can live that type of life. And I tell you right now, if you live that type of life, you are going to heaven. How can I tell you that? Because it says so in the Torah. If you live the life of Torah and Mitzvot, you're going to heaven. But Lech Lecha is something different. Lech Lecha says, I'm willing to rock the boat of all the layers of my being. I'm willing to take it to the next stage. I'm willing to not only not listen to the Yitzhahara, not only listen to the animalistic soul. I'm willing to not even listen to the logic of my neshama. Let me say that again. I'm willing to not even listen to the logic of my neshama. Let me give you a simple, simple example. We have responsibility to live in the vicinity of a yeshiva. Just plain and simple. We have the responsibility. You know how most people, when they go shopping for a home, they want to find out in which in which uh, district of of school it is, you want to make sure your kids are going to be in the right school, how many people move to a different district because they want their kids in a better school. We as Jews do that too. (laughs) Someone once asked me, Rabbi, what would happen if you wouldn't live in walking distance to a shul? I told him that will never happen. It just won't happen. I'm not buying a house. Not in the district of a shul. So we have the logic of the neshama. The logic of the Shema says you have to live in a Jewish community, a firm community where there's a mikveh, where there's a shul, where there's a cheder, where there's whatever it is. Comes along the Rebbe, mind you, we're talking about pre when everyone all of a sudden jumped onto the boat of outreach. We're talking about early. We're talking about 50s, 60s. And the is telling us, pack your bags and go. <laughs> a young couple that's not on birth control, probably going to end up having 12 kids, and where did Abba send them to? That's lechlecha. That's dangerously lechlecha. That's telling your soul. I know, I know that you're telling me not to. You're telling your soul, not your Sahara. I know that you're concerned. Do you know how many shluchim their wives have to get onto a plane once a month because there isn't a mikveh in their country? Are you halachically allowed to do that? Well, obviously the deeper answer is yes, because if not, the Rebbe does. The, you don't do against halacha. End the story. Lech here, lech hin Halacha is not desecrated. End the story. But you tell me the simple, the simple interpretation. Imagine, imagine that you just got married. Your wife's going to need a mikvah every month, and you got this unbelievable job offer from IBM. But you've got to live in China Not with his Chabad house But in Timbuktu of China And now you tell me Are you allowed to live there? Go ask your rabbi If you're allowed to move there He's not going to tell you so quickly yes You have halachic responsibilities But then comes a rebbe, A true Avramavinu, And tells you Lech Lecha But to be able to do Lech Lecha The one thing that you need to be able To sign on the dotted line is that I'm leaving my will, my intellect, my habitual behaviors of my godly soul because I'm going for essence. When that neshama comes in, not the logical nishama, not the layers of the nishama. Because when you have the layers of the neshama living the life of a Jew, you've only accomplished, once again, step number one. What was step number one? Infinite amount of water in an eight-ounce cup. So here you have a neshama who's living in a body. You need to make a living. You can't find a job because you're not willing to work on Shabbat, but you make it happen. You got to go take out and wine and dine the fanciest, schmanciest clients you're going to take them to a kosher place that's called putting the infinite into an eight ounce cup I'm going to make it work I as a Jew am going to make it work I'm going to make the laws of Kashrut I'm going to make the Torah education of my children I'm going to make the laws of Shabbat I'm going to make the laws of Tzniyut they're all going to work and I am going to be successful that is called taking infinite light putting it into a finite cup A religious Jew on Wall Street. A religious Jew as a lawyer. A religious Jew as a doctor. A religious Jew as a businessman. Any one of these who's able to keep Torah and mitzvot, the infinite will of God, and built upon that, have real success. Success in the home, success in the office, success in the accountant's office. That's called taking the infinite light, putting it into the finite cup. But remember what we shared? In Chasidis that isn't enough because that isn't the true ascent the true ascent begins by lech lecha. the true ascent means can we go beyond the infinite light in the finite cup can I introduce something which has never existed before in the universe pre-timtum can I introduce the absolute power of Avramavinu, a trailblazer breaking through new new ventures, new spiritual horizons. Am I able to tell Hashem, whatever you need me for, here I am. Even if it means that I'm not going to be able to live in Crown Heights and have my boys go to Yeshiva and meet David in seven seventy every single Shabbat. Even if I'm going to have to be challenged with all of this. Even if it doesn't logically make sense. Even if my wife's going to have to travel on a plane to a mikveh every month. Even if I'm going to have to fly in, meet from the closest country. Break through something new. So, if you ask me, lech lecha is the ultimate challenge, or the purpose of creation. And now you understand why Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had such hard times having children, because Abraham wasn't having the natural child. He wasn't having a post-symptom baby. He was being asked whether he can be bring a pre-symptom soul into a post-symptom reality. That doesn't happen by consummation. That's not animals do it, birds do it, fish do it, humans do it, the Jews do it. Not when we're talking about Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Not when they were trailblazing the unprecedented reality. And that's why it took prayer. And that's why it took miracles. And that's why he took faith as he was getting older and older and older and God told him, you're going to have a child. All he needed was faith. Faith completely out of the box. And when he was able to lech lecha, and when he was able to circumcise himself at the age of 99, when he was able to surrender his identity, Hashem knocked on his door and said, you know your name? I'm changing it. When he was able to surrender everything. Then he became open to the ultimate lech lecha. Ah, now you're ready to bring Yitzchak into this world. Of course he didn't have problems having babies with Hagar. Of course not. That was natural. Man, woman, holy thoughts, have a baby, mazal That wasn't a problem. The symptoms took care of that problem. The reintroduction of the light took care of that problem. But not Isaac. Isaac is not going to be a product of the Timtum. Isaac is not going to be just about putting the infinite water and light into the finite cup. He's going to be about going beyond, trailblazing, taking and ripping a whole piece of God's essence and bringing it into a body. Letting it dominate the mind, the heart, the way of life, the way of dress, the way of behavior, the way of business, the way of prayer. Always, always, with only one word on the lips. nani. That's Lech lecha. I used to have hanging in my office a letter from the Rebbe. Where a person is asking the Rebbe what he should do. And the Rebbe answers him like this. There are two groups of people there will be people that will always look for the pre-existing community and they want to live a Torah life and then there are people who are looking to go where there's no community and make it happen and then the Rebbe says and needless to say Chabad is of the latter because that's what the Rebbe drove us Lech Lecha now I want to finish with another story I was at Olam, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Olam, Olam leadership is a project of federation, the Greater Miami Jewish Federation, a long time ago I was there by a program, they're starting it up now, they have to do it now for younger people, and at that program they had over there for the people, the rabbis, and to bring their presidents, you know, so you have the uh, layman and you have the uh, spiritual leader. And there was a whole thing. They brought down someone from Harvard, really, a, a person who was doing presentations all over the world. I mean, they, they do beautiful stuff when they bring down people. And what happens is that he's giving this whole long Harvard understanding of how you have to be in the relationship between the layman and the da, and the But By the time he finished, he had Q&A. So like half of you people here, of course, I didn't publicly speak. But after, quietly, I went over to him. I said, let me ask you a question. What happens if after your whole beautiful presentation, I realize that I'm not cut out for leadership? He looked at me and he said, yes, you are. I said, maybe not. You know, you just set out a very technical and detailed and, <laughs> and committees and schmitties and that. Da- I haven't just been that way. He looks at me and he says, just tell me one thing. Do you have something to say and do you believe it should be heard? If the answer is yes, you're meant to be a leader. So many of you will sit here in, the, or in this room right now and say, huh, that's very nice. The Chabad rabbi who left Quran Heights and came to North Miami is telling us we should all become shluchim and pick a planet and open up a Chabad house. No. No, that's not the only definition of lech The Definition of lech lecha is do you believe you have something to say? Do you know when you have something to say? When it wasn't said before. If it was said before then what do you have to say? Do you believe that you have something to say about God to your people, to the universe that wasn't said before? Do you believe that what you have to say should be heard? Well, if yes, you were chosen to be a leader. And if you were chosen to be a leader, you better go back to that Torah portion of Lech Lecha. Because living comfortably with your soul isn't your life. Just coming to terms with the Jewishness that was put into you and the Jewishness that you fight to have isn't enough no more. Now you got to shed all of that. Now you got to find within you something that goes way beyond. Now we got to deal with the peace that wasn't even affected by the Tzimtzum. That's your portal. That's my portal. And each one of us have that gift. The question is, are you willing? Are you willing? Are you willing to trailblaze? Are you willing to answer the call of Lachlacha? Are you willing to make a difference even if it's a lonely journey in the beginning? It's a scary journey in the beginning. That's all for tonight, guys. Thank you.